Hello, this is James just dropping by to tell you all that we've booked in a couple of Desert Island Dicks live shows. Uh, there's one on the 10th of December in King's Cross at 2 North Down with the brilliant Tom Allen. And I believe tickets are selling really fast, but there's a few tickets left on the website if you get on there quickly. Other than that, I'm going to be at the Podcast Social Club in Thirsk in North Yorkshire on the 23rd of November. Guest TBC. It's going to be good. Get on there and get your tickets now. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm James Deacon and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they are a dick is up to you. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today, you probably know him from clearing stones in a field or playing himself at snooker, it's Richard Herring. Thank you, hello. Uh, hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm not, well, you know, I'm all right. I'm a bit good. I've had some sleep, which has made me feel worse and I've got a bit of a bug off the kids. But, you know, that's just normal. So, yeah. sort of confused and tired and a little bit ill, but that's my life now as a parent. I feel like I've gotten you in a rare state because usually I'm listening to your podcast and you've gotten <laughs> up at four in the morning. <laughs> yeah, so I got up at ten to ten today, which I don't think has ever happened for in the last... Uh, six or seven years, I would say. So uh, yeah, it's mm. a it's a bit strange. And then I, I told my wife when I went to bed very late. I'd been gigging, and I said to my wife, "I would wake me up because I do have to get into London." We're outside of London now, but she didn't. So you know, it's lucky I'm here. I could have slept in till three. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you can make it. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to uh, address the tiny elephant in the room. Okay. Is that? Um, uh, it sort of came to light after I started this podcast. Uh, some people started acting yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was it after? Okay, yeah, go on. Yeah. That, um, you actually do a feature on your podcast yes. called Desert Island Dicks. Well, one of my emergency questions it is uh, who would your Desert Island Dicks be? But I. You know, I kind of thought I'd, I'd go the route of uh, Richards because it was uh, it was actually because Sarah Millican was a guest early on and she'd been, just been on Des Island Dick, disc, Discs. Mm. Uh, and uh, so I kind of thought, oh, I'd, it'd be fun to ask her about Des Island Dicks, maybe meaning penises, maybe <laughs> meaning idiots. And right. then I thought, oh, let's mix it up and surprise people because they'll think it's going to be penises because it's me. Yeah. So I did it about your, your you have to choose your favourite eight Richards yeah. that you'd go to on a desert. And it's actually surprisingly difficult. And I quite, like, I quite like making people do it and then actually you know they get three and then they go oh you know and then but you go no I want the other five as well that's great yeah uh, and I'm one I'm the I'm the luxury Richard nice. you get you get anyway yeah that's and great. then I've done I've got quite a few other emergency questions that I wrote for my book so one of them's about Des Island discs what what eight disc shaped objects would you take to a Des Island this is good yeah uh, Des Island Dirks that's quite a hard one for eight people called Dirk that is, to Des Island. I don't think I can name <laughs> one no, no, I don't think I managed to find eight but I yeah. had to google it uh, there's Dirk Gently, there's Dirk Max, who's a radio producer. Right. Uh, I can't remember any of the others. I think there was some some Danish Dirks. I think that might have come out because of uh, Sophie Hagen. Yes, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we've done that. But, yeah, if you start doing, you know, Ham Hand or Sun Cream Armpit podcast, then oh, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But I'll let you. I think the Des Island Dicks thing is a kind of, you know, something that people would think. And it's a nice format. I've listened to this. Oh, well, nice, thank you very much. It's a nice much. format. You're very kind. Cheers. Um, great, because I... Did worry for a minute that I'd be your first choice on the island, <laughs> based on that. But if um, I'd thought of that, I would have done it. Let's change one of them. No, 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 please, please, um, Richard. Uh, let's dive in. Who's going to be your first choice? My first choice, just because I am waking up very early, usually except today, and watching. Uh, you turn on CBBS mm. um, to just act as a babysitter, and there's many things on CBBS that I love, mainly Rebecca from Let's Play. Yeah. Uh, and She's great. <laughs> she is great. I'm yeah. very much in love with her. And yep. uh, it's luckier. I'm sort of slight. I think I, I sort of backed off a little because I thought I was sort of scaring her a little bit with my... Which I did know she started following me on Twitter quite recently. So, you know, I might... I Maybe might you're be, in there. Might be in. Yeah, that's it. Sorry to me if my wife's listening. <laughs> but I will leave you on my children for, uh, for Rebecca from Let's Play. Uh, but there's plenty of... As, as a parent, and you get this a lot, there is actually a great Twitter feed of CB's grown-ups for oh, adults. Oh, it's great. It's so funny. Uh, and yeah. where people and as a, as a grown up and as a parent watching these things, you do sort of bond on the the terrible characters on CBBS, which is difficult mm. to choose. I did initially choose Bing, yes, uh, who's like uh, you know is just uh, there's a, there was a very good tweet on CBBS growing up about all the th- all the things you learn from all the various CBBS characters and a long list, and then you know you learn this from this character, yeah. this from this character, and then Bing. 
nothing. You know, yeah, just yeah. being dashed and, and then there's nothing because he's yeah. just, he is a, I mean, he is a dick. Yes. I mean, he's not the biggest dick on Bing, is which is ironic because Pando is the biggest dick <laughs> Pando on Pando is the biggest is, dick, yeah. I went to see, I got invited to see Bing live. So this is part of the reason I don't like Bing as well because I had to go see Bing live and it was a, a long show. It was 90 minutes with an interval, I think. Oh, that's long. But it was on in the afternoon and it was on the same day that England were playing that World Cup or European yeah, game yeah. where they won 7 0 or yeah, 5 6 0. Yeah, yeah. And it, it literally, like the, show, game. the show was on when the game started and finished as the game oh, ended. No. And at one point, I did start trying to watch it on. I mean, I'm not that into football, but you know, I'm not that into Bing either. Yeah, so yeah. I did try to watch it on the seat next to me surreptitiously on my phone and my wife told me off obviously I'm, yeah, yeah, very, I'm, player, a, yeah. I'm a performer even though those guys were in costumes and couldn't see me it was very rude so I don't like him for that but you know I think that show would be a lot better if at the end of the show they hanged Pando <laughs> Pando yeah, they were just, if he was just executed somehow <laughs> And we would scar, uh, mentally scar the kids, but the adults would be so happy. I'd just he it. was strung up. He's very annoying. He wears pants, doesn't he? Pants. Yeah. And, just like um, Flop pulls the lever and just <laughs> yeah. turns and says it's a Bing thing as Pando hangs at the end. Yeah. So, I mean, there's yeah. lots of things not to like about Bing. The fact that just regular things are... Very few of them are a Bing thing. Oh, yeah. They're just a thing. They're just a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they've got Mark Rylance being flop, which is incredible. That's mm. the one thing that makes you think this... One the, redeeming the, feature, well, yeah. It raises yeah. this show above uh, the average. But Bing is just extremely annoying. Kills... I mean, he kills a butterfly in one, and then they, you know, he... he Breaks a phone and throws it in the bin. Mm. Um, you know, he's just a, a, a menace to society. So, I, you know, even though Pando's my least favourite one, I chose Bing. But then there are loads of other... I don't want to make it all CBeebies, mm. all three of my choices, but any one from... There's, there's a lot of CBeebies characters. Yeah. Uh, I was waking up very early in Edinburgh and I'd forgotten about this with my son. The, basically, the first programme on CBeebies, more or less, or maybe the second, is Baby Jake. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is this very... The trippy ones are the ones that get you. At that hour, yeah. Uh, because it's because you're up early and you had no sleep and then suddenly this talking ba- baby and they live in a lighthouse and they, you know, they go through this big rigmarole at the beginning of the show about these this family living a life uh, in a uh, lighthouse and they have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, D. They have ten children. It's like the Waltons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they, uh, they're all named. I mean, they've obviously planned to have 26 children because they're named alphabetically. Uh, and there's a there's there's a, the eldest sister who someone was theorising is the actual real mother of Baby oh Jake. Oh, my God. Uh, which I think might be true. And then all these, they go through all these <laughs> children and one, one of them likes has, likes peas and one of them has faces yes. on his knees. And, yes. And there's quite a big backstory to this family and then none of them ever appear in the show really at the, the beginning and the end. So it's, it, it, there's a much better show about those 10 children. It's true. Yeah. Uh, and and the, their attributes that happen to rhyme with their names or whatever. I've never and then And Baby Jake, is, then they just it goes off into a, a just... You know, some of them are some of them. Some of the CB things are, are really great and engaging, and you enjoy them. I really enjoy. Uh, is it called um, Moira Mac, Mac and Moira? Is it? I don't know what it's yeah, called. I met yeah. the, I met one of the women from uh, from Mac and Moira or Moira and Mac or whatever it's called. Uh, and the songs in that are very catchy, yeah, and, and and enjoyable. Oh yeah, and, and also it's Scottish, so I kind of enjoy. I love the songs singing. Oh, oh no! And the, the, <laughs> woman, the woman I met is the woman who says, "The big hub is open," <laughs> and I, I I kind of wanted to do that to her face, but I didn't do it to her face. But so there's some j- delightful shows. But the, mm. the, the the baby Jake is just this cartoon where they have hamsters and and frogs and i mean it's just mm. so trippy yeah and these and the same songs every day yes uh, so that one so i hate baby jake and then because they've made him a cartoon and because all the rest of it is pre-filmed they could go on forever you know like you think oh well at least when baby jake's old they'll have to either have another kid and call it something else or they'll have to stop making it but they they've got enough photos of baby jake's face yeah just, to, to keep it. it going forever i bet baby jake yeah. actually got paid about 150 pounds yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just in the whole thing yeah so i don't like them and the new one is moon and me i think it's mm. called have yeah. you seen this one? Happy Nana. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it. I've seen and it. And I really, I'm getting just too trippy. And there's a clown character in it that has oh, it's sort of vaginas for eyes. <laughs> yeah. Or like yeah. fish mouths for eyes or something. Like, it's something very weird for it. I mean, it's actually the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. And I was saying, I mean, I talked to my daughter about it. And she was watching. She loves it. And I go, mm. this is just a... 
My uh, daughter likes my, my. I've got a daughter and a son. That my yeah. son's a baby, and uh, she said that he looks like Moon Baby, and I can't unsee it. He just looks like Moon Baby now to me. <laughs> it looks like his head's well, going to glow in the moon dark. Moon Baby's pretty. They're all pretty freaky. Nearly every mm. character in that is freaky and terrifying, you know. But the 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 clown one, I think, really generally looks like something made up by Steve Pemberton and Reese. Oh yeah, Smith, it, does, you know, it just yeah. like so it looks like a League of Gentlemen character that will come and in the night will be standing over your bed and ready to oh. stab you in the face. So I don't know if they've done that on purpose, but that one haunts me. I'd so. love them to direct an episode of that. <laughs> That'd be good. Be but also they do like very you know again it's very it's the surreal kind of trippy nature of it. And there was a bit where that character was going somewhere. And it was. It felt like a four-minute sequence of it just walking down a road, disappearing over a hill, then appearing over the hill, yeah. just walking to a place. Yeah, it's the kind of thing I would love in any other uh, any art form. But in a children's show, it really freaked me out. This just mm. thing walking away. At least it was walking away, not towards me. Yeah. So yeah. So I kind of the the, the hateful characters on CBS, and then there's many characters that I love on CBS. The, the Furchester Hotel is brilliant. I went yeah. to sit. We went, we got to visit the Furchester Hotel because I'd written about wanting to have sex with <laughs> I ended up doing a whole routine about it in the metro I wrote about basically fancying Fernanda from the Furchester Hotel and then they invited me to the BBC with my family to meet which was I thought was an <laughs> odd reaction yeah. really I noticed you want to fuck one of our puppets come up to Manchester come on fuck away do bring your kids along so they can be mentally scarred you know, and I, you know do this routine about you know how You'd think after the, the BBC would be, you know, after all that's been going on, we'd be a bit more cautious about it. There's a bloke in the paper wants to fuck one of our puppets. Imagine if sure. you get into a room and then they yeah. just laid out on a chaise long. Well, it was We're almost that. We got in and the, the puppeteer was so flattered by it and was apologising to my wife, you know, for going, I hope this isn't awkward for Sorry, you. Sorry, she's that, so sexy. That, that your husband fancies the puppet. And I was going, you know, I thought it was... I kind of thought, shit, I'm going to have to go through with this. This is that. They were, they were a lovely bunch of people, really cool, but mental. And like a mm. lot of... Uh, in the in the good sense of the word, you know, just that they they were just. I think a lot of puppeteers are yes, that kind yeah. of party animal, kind of crazy yeah. people, and they were really funny and really good fun. And you kind of felt, oh yeah, actually, they yeah. probably do all just have sex what? with each other, dressed as the puppets. Once the once the yeah. cameras stop rolling, maybe when the cameras are still rolling. I so they a, were great. I love I love yeah, meeting them. I saw a seventies uh, a video of a seventies sort of documentary of the Muppet Show, mm. and uh, they're all all the people doing the puppeteering just look like they're on acid. Yeah, they're I mean, they like, definitely are. I mean, oh, they definitely yeah. are. I mean, I think you know, the Baby Jake people are probably on acid, or they are <laughs> yeah. trying to pretend. They're saying, "What would it be like if we were on acid?" Or were once, yeah. Or what, yeah. let's get any of the parents that are on acid at six o'clock in the morning. Let's screw them. Up. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah. it's just the ones that leave you kind of haunted. And I used to watch CBeebies, like, when I was, before I had kids, mm. when, I, when I was drinking way too much, I'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning and, and end up watching Big Cook, Little Cook, and became quite obsessed with Big Cook, Little that Cook. That was good, yeah. As an adult. But again, it was quite trippy. And then you start, and, when, and the repetitive nature of it, when you're hung over and out your head, off your head, <laughs> yeah. it's sort of just, it's sort of a bit mind-blowing. And I started thinking about it a bit too much. And, and apparently they show it to the gorillas at Longleat. They watch kids' TV because they like the colours and stuff like that. Really? So I think it's, you know, I was in that primal state. I wonder, think, how, well, I wonder how they feel about Rebecca. <laughs> I'm sure they like I'm sure they, yeah. She was a bit hairier, I think they'd like <laughs> Yeah. She's not quite hairy enough for the for the gorillas, I would guess. Yeah, so... Okay. But I, that's for me. That's yeah. a, I don't want her any hairier than she is. She's hairy enough. She's a mammal and She's has perfect. some hair. And I'm happy with the amount of hair yeah. that I imagine is on. Uh, the, the amount of hair I've seen is very nice. Um, I okay. I think these are great choices. So, Bing, okay. Baby Jake, the people from Moon and Me, but obviously <coughs> not giving the caveat that uh, CBBS has some very redeeming programs. Uh, yeah. Number Blocks. Yeah, I love the songs from Number yeah, Blocks. No, and I think they're well put together. It's very good, and my yeah. daughter loves it, and is you know, and it's really helped her to learn to be interested in numbers and get and count. Yeah, can I add? Tree Food Tom into this. Yeah, well, I'm interested in Tree Food Tom. Would you not like him, Tree Food Tom? I mean, I, I think Tree Food Tom should go on the island. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Again, he's one where you think, oh, well, at least when he grows up, they won't be able to do it anymore. But of course, he's only the actual real Tree Food Tom, is only in the own times. I believe that it's voiced by the woman who played Ace in Doctor Who. I think Tree Food Tom, really? like Sophie. Uh, can't think of her last name. I might be wrong about that, but that is a little bit of information that's popped into my head. Well, I don't so want to put so, out so, jobs. But, so it's yeah. uh, you know, it's voiced by an adult, so they're covered. And yeah, my, but again, I quite like it because my daughter does and did really like doing that and joining and what am I doing the doing yeah, the thing? And she does true. join in with it, so I kind of don't mind it. But mm. uh, yeah, it's it is a, it's a trippy idea. Mm. They all shout their names in the opening titles, and I can never hear what any of the names are. And, right, I, and every yes. time I watch, I'm trying yeah. to work out what they're saying. Slug so, stick, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But mm. uh, yeah, they're not. They're not. There's a. There's. 
there's lots of good things on there. Yeah. And there's some scary things. It's just the, it's just mm. the ones that haunt you at night. But it's not the Wiggles. Uh, I I sort of I mean I, I'm fascinated by the Wiggles and mm. I'm quite fascinated by Emma Wiggle in a similar way to Rebecca. <laughs> yeah. So I will put the Wiggles on quite because I'm kind of fascinated by her. She's very tiny. Yes. And <laughs> she's kind of strange looking but lovely. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then there's a whole backstory with them that they're Lockie and Emma were in a relationship and then got married and they're now getting divorced but they're still in the Wiggles together. Mm. And I like to try and imagine what stage of their relationship they're in. Yes. So the I'm watching. Um, but the songs in that have permeated my brain. Oh, absolutely. So I'd quite, yeah. like, quite like to get rid of the wheels just because I would. I was at a point when I was waking up in the middle of the night and just the music was playing in my head. It's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, I get the and, same. And I just yeah. couldn't get it out of there at all. Awful. And then you'll be driving in the car on your own or something and it's just like, I've just got the songs from Number Blocks just yeah. etched into my mind. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so those those things, are when the ones that, I used to see with the, the one that I can't, Molly and Mac or Mac and Me mm. and whatever it's called, Mac and Me is a different thing, isn't it? Is it Molly uh, and Mac? Molly, yeah. Yeah, Molly and Mac. Molly and Mac, Mac yeah, yeah. Um, I really like those songs and I don't mind that they, oops, oh no, but it's because yeah. I, love, I love doing a terrible Scottish accent. So yes. So I love singing those in terrible Scottish accents. But she, that little girl in that is a brilliant actor. Yes. They're actually very good actors in all of that show. Mm. She's brilliant. When she sings those songs, she's like, you go, wow, she's, look at the facial expressions this girl's got and the, what she's bringing into this. She's going to be a big star, Molly. Yes. But the, whoever wrote the music for it is also great. It's a crazy... Crazy. I think Crazy there's a podcast in you watching each uh, each thing on CBBS and reacting to it. Um, yeah, but that's all. You know, I realised the other day when I watched I watched terrestrial TV because the football was on. Yes, and I'm not into football. That's the second time I mentioned this, but um, yeah. it, but it was the England game, and then I ended up watching the ITV News, which I realised I hadn't seen for 20 years, and it's completely changed in its whole tone, and it's like. A, Bloke in the pub just going, oh, what the? Yeah. What's, what's fucking Donald Trump been up to <laughs> yeah, now? What a yeah, prick. Yeah. It was literally like that and uh, almost to the word. And uh, and that just blew my mind. But I realised how little I watch terrestrial TV. And the only thing I watch on terrestrial TV is the CBBS. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But I think, you know, but uh, the adult programmes I watch, we just watch, obviously, like everyone does now, just stream mm. things that we want to see. Okay. So, Certain characters from CBBS are going to be your first choice. Thank yep. you very much, Richard. And who's going to be your second choice? Well, my second choice—I don't know—I didn't want to go too much down the. Road. There's obviously with this uh, format, you, you mm. must get a lot of the same people coming up, which maybe my final choice will be. Yeah. But um, I don't think anyone else would have chosen this guy. But mm. a, it was a caller to the Jeremy Vine show about five years ago, yeah. uh, and he sort of just symbolises what's wrong in the country. Uh, and the world, I think, really. But it was just a, a, an old man yeah. who was ringing up uh, Jeremy Vine about recycling. Mm. Uh, and there, that was the discussion. And he was just saying um, how it was ridiculous that anyone was recycling. And that, you know, he's, and it, the comment that I remember was something along the lines of, you know, if. Uh, you know, if I if you told me I was gonna, I have to wash my rubbish, you'd be you'd be locked away. You know, this is crazy that you have to wash your rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, they, they'd send me to the loony bin basically for washing my rubbish. Yeah, yeah but not if it's gonna save the world. It's yeah. not mad if, yeah. if it's actually gonna help save the world. So just that attitude that the idea of recycling mm. or caring about the environment or worrying about the world coming to an end. Oh, God, you know, that, yeah. just that attitude of. Um, yeah, no, this is stupid. This is all stupid. Uh, yeah. From my position of complete ignorance, I'm going to just say, screw what experts say, screw mm. what everyone's saying. It's crazy if you're washing your rubbish. They would, so if you told me I'm going to wash my rubbish, you'd be locked away. And you know, just someone who isn't even prepared. On the off chance, it's not. You know, even if it's wrong, mm. you don't lose much by by cleaning no, out yeah. a, a, a tin and then putting it. I know. Then putting it in a recycling bin. And I think that just sort of. I mean, you know, a lot. You could have picked many other people other than this one, mm. presumably now, hopefully dead man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's well, the only thing. He will. Okay. <laughs> well, just you know, he was old and doesn't want to change his ways. Mm. But there's that attitude of not of just deciding that. You know, ninety-seven percent of experts on any subject are just wrong, yeah. and just your common sense or your feeling that something's crazy. So I'm not going to do it, or your fear. You know, just like oh, things are never going to go wrong. Things are going to carry on. Um, I think that kind of attitude towards the environment that people aren't even prepared to make those most basic yeah. changes. Yeah, and um, going on TV and saying it is problematic. Yeah, well, it, was the, it, was, yeah. it was the radio, but yeah, but but oh, no, but radio. also, but also, you know, anyone the, the people in charge. So Donald Trump. Not caring about it, I sort of feel there should be. We should make an uh, art exhibition, uh, statues of all the, the the climate change deniers, 
that we put on top of uh, at the bottom of some somewhere that will flood if the, if they're wrong mm. and if they're right they they can be heralded as geniuses yeah. for getting it right and if they're wrong they get flooded underneath the you know the, because I sort of wonder whether they're whether you know they a lot of these people kind of care about how they're going to be viewed. I sort of wonder whether some world leaders have now realised there is going to be no history, so it yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter how they're viewed by history because there will be no one to record history because we'll all be dead. Yes. So they might. I don't. I, I just don't. You know, even people who are, um, you know, pe- people who are wor- worried. You know, they, someone like Donald Trump who wants to make money and wants business to make money. Mm. It's that short sightedness of going. But yeah, if you're interested in making money, man, you make money now. But then. If if the, if the world doesn't exist or if the world's underwater, then you know. Or, what are you going to do with it? They, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, what are you going to do with it? And how are people going to make money then? You know, it's that yeah. short. You would think business would be going. We should really plan ahead because we kind of want this thing to keep going. Yes. For a hundred years, we don't just get make some money now and then <laughs> yeah. money becomes worthless and we are dead no and worry. our children yeah. and grandchildren are dead. Um, so it's sort of weird to me that people aren't taking it more seriously. But you know, I think it's also true that we you know that it's. It's most of us are. Mm. I mean, I used to do a routine about how the fact that, you know, leaving your TV on standby, you know, across the world, that creates so much energy. And if everyone just turned off their TV, the plug at night, mm. then, you know, that would help. Yes. But, you know, that would involve getting up out of your seat, walking three paces across the room, bending over and punching, pressing a button like in Victorian times. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not reasonable to expect to do that. So, you know, and then and the idea that in 50 years, the world, that time the world's underwater and the kids are going, you can't. You know, you can't have known what would happen if you mm. hadn't turned off your TV. You go, oh no, no, we did know. Yeah, yeah we did know. We, we just, just we did. you have to remember from our point of view the walking across. Yeah. It's like six steps a day. You yes, know? yeah. So you know, I think we're all uh, guilty of it, and we're all kind of guilty of burying our heads in the sand. And yeah, and it sort of seems like it's. It's, it's coming the, home to roost already. You know, there's the, the reports today were saying like that we're 10 years ahead of where they thought we'd be. I know. I've seen up. awful graphs yeah. that show how much we've dropped off in the past 100 years, and it's, it's so terrifying. It, it probably yeah. is too late. So, you yeah, know, it might be too it, late. Fuck fuck it, don't, it. Wash, don't wash your rubbish. That guy was, yeah. is a hero. Just leave your TV on. <laughs> just turn the sound off overnight. <laughs> and, and uh, it, it probably doesn't make any difference, but it's just that. I, I don't know. It's just yeah, that attitude of superiority yeah. mm. that gets to me that, they, you know, oh, global. If this is what if this is the weather we get with global warming, who cares? Yeah, you know, I know. Hell. The summers are crazy though, and you just <laughs> think, are. Jesus! Like people might start coming here on holiday yeah. if it stays like this. Well, you know, people might just start coming here because there's nowhere else to live. I think to live. The UK yeah. will kind of be all right, but you know, people who don't like immigrants are going to be a little bit unhappy when everyone in the world has to come and live here. Okay, so that mad guy on the Jeremy Vine show yeah. as an umbrella for yeah. people. Yeah, but you know, mm. also I wouldn't like to be on a desert island with him, you know, because A, he probably wouldn't be much help, but also no. it would just be annoying to have to listen to his other yeah. views. I'm a, I think I can extrapolate yeah. from that one view. I don't think he'd talk about recycling all that much. No, yeah. But the other things he would talk about. Yes. I mean, he presumably would hate himself for being on a desert island that he wasn't from. He's come over here living mm. on our, this someone else's desert island. Man Friday would come and go, what are you living here? This is my land. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, he would have to hate himself for being an immigrant, I suppose. But oh I'm, that's only God. a guess. I'm only, yeah. gu- I'm only guessing. Just a guess. Maybe <laughs> that is his view on the situation. Um, okay. So that guy is going to be a second choice. Yeah. Thank you very much, Richard. Uh, and who's going to be a third choice? My third choice is maybe a more one you might have had before. A more mm. popular one is Michael Gove. Yes. Okay. Um, but um, only because I've had, like, I realised, I was just thinking about, I've had a lot of uh, intersections in my life with his life. Okay. And so I've had a lot of opportunities to rid the world of Michael jo- Gove. <laughs> Have you? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, so, you know, if I was an evil person... Um, but also just it's, it's weird how our lives have slightly intersected at different points. Right. Uh, and I think he's just, I haven't, knowing a bit about his backstory, mm. I just feel he's not somebody who should be uh, anywhere near being in charge of the world. But I, you know, it's sort of weird, because a lot of the people who are in government at the moment, were at university at the same time as I was, the same university as I was. Mm, okay. And I don't remember any, they didn't mix in the same circles, but I've talked about this on my podcast where the comedy club we did in, when I was at Oxford University, and the comedy club mm. we did was downstairs in a tiny little cellar in the Oxford Union, which was where all the debaters and the politicians went, and it was quite a posh club that you had to, I think it was something like, you know, it's 80 pounds a term or a year or something that you had to pay, but right. that was beyond the scope yeah, of yeah, anything I could sure. afford. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was sort of vaguely interested in the idea of being at the Oxford Union, but I couldn't afford to go. But the comedy club, we were, we were allowed in to do that. We, we were in this cellar, almost beneath the debating chamber where Boris Johnson and David Cameron 
and Michael Gove were debating. And I, rem- and I don't remember any of them, but I remember Michael Gove because he became president of the Oxford Union, I think. And there was all the photos up in the the hall as you went through. And he was sitting there in a kilt, sort of smiling, this kind of gormless. And he looked exactly the same. You know, he looked middle-aged as a, as a, as a 20-year-old. Yeah. And, me, and I just sort of, you know, it's fine, uh, of course, to wear a kilt. And Michael Gove is, I think, technically Scottish. But it just felt like affectation. Yeah, for uh, sure. And, you know, I don't think he's... I think even I don't think any Scottish people would particularly want to claim him. No, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I think you're right. So I don't. Yeah. I don't think any Scottish people will be offended by me saying him wearing a kilt made me think he was a massive prick. <laughs> yeah. And so that one, you know. And if you'd said to me then, oh, by the way, that guy will nearly be prime minister, but will you know be? Will be mm. you know, and and all the things that that group of eaten idiots have done to the country. Uh, and you know, I, I sort of feel, I feel there's a drama or a, a TV series or something in this idea of downstairs in this cellar. You've got Armando Yannucci, Stuart Lee, <laughs> yeah. Richard Herring, Al Murray, and lots of people down there who went on to kind of change the comedy world. As many of those people, I'm not including myself in that. Uh, and upstairs, all these people who would kind of wreck the, it, the ruin. <laughs> well, and give them lots of material to do that. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it's this odd, it's this odd kind of conjunction. Um, but then one of my first jobs out of university <clears throat> was working on um, a program called A Stab in the Dark. And we'd been brought, me and Stu had been brought in, um, I guess we might have been working on, on on the air by then. But we'd been brought in to, they'd done a couple of episodes and it wasn't going very well. Mm. It was hosted, it was like an attempt to do a sort of political uh, stand-up East show. But it was, it was basically, David Baddiel was one of the hosts, which made some sort of sense. Tracy McLeod, who was the who's kind of arts correspondent and uh, journalist, and Michael Gove was this other guy who was the and, and we, thankfully we didn't have to work with Michael Gove or interact with Michael Gove, but we were excuse me, me and Stuart were writing for um, Tracy McLeod, which was an enjoyable experience, mm. and it was an amazing thing because we got this job that suddenly I'd we'd been working for two or three years and, and I had not been making any money, and no, then yeah. suddenly I was getting TV money for writing these. Uh, you know, helping write these monologues for Tracy McLeod. And I, I have a feeling it was something like £700 a week. And honestly, yeah. that was just a mind-blowing... I mean, yeah. hey, I could have joined the Oxford Union if I could have gone back. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, like, it was a mind-blowing amount of money. Yeah, so yeah, it was great. it was insane. So I, I earned more in the six, seven weeks we worked on that show than I would have done easily in the previous two years. I mean, by mm. far. Mm. <laughs> right. so, so, yeah. so, it was, so it was a great job for us, and we were, it was great to get it. But we knew straight away. We'd been brought in, and it was obvious it was this terrible show where the producers were, you know, they were aiming for controversy, uh, but not really understanding how to get it. But Michael mm. Gove was in that. And, you know, again, if you'd seen it, so we saw him from a distance. Right. I seem to remember he was quite, um, he farted quite a lot. That was the story. <laughs> that was the rumour about him. I don't know about that. But he was, you know, he was that kind of... He he's, looked, he's, yeah, he's, he looks he's, like he's going know, I don't wanna, farting all I, the Yeah, time. and I don't want to judge him by his appearance, but he's got this kind of damp... Yeah, you know, dry oh, but damp yeah. lips. Yeah. Know? I mean, imagine him bearing down on you for a kiss. <sighs> It's not, you know, I feel very sorry for his wife if his wife wasn't so awful yeah. as well. <laughs> but, uh, he kind of looks like a potato made of ham. Yeah, yeah. so he's, you know, I'm sure he's a love... No, he's not a nice fella. He's not, no. you know, so he just... He was a journalist then, and it just, you know... And he again, he seemed middle-aged, and he must have been 25 or 26 or something. Mm. Uh, and he did the things that he did. I mean, if they came out again, I don't think really it's... It didn't make much of an impact. I think I've seen one thing online where he's... I can't even quite remember the details of anything he did, but they, if they were to come out, they were, he was always trying to be controversial and, right. you know, the things he said were horrible. But mm. I mean, I guess no horrible than the stuff he actually says in his politics now. Yes. So again, I saw him there and then the idea of that, again, that guy going on to, out of all, you know, out of anything, David Badir would be a much better politician. <laughs> yeah. And he would not be a good politician, but he'd be a much better politician. Mm. Tracy McLeod would be a great person to mm. rule the country. Uh, but what, Michael Gove to go on to be a politician. Um, and then I haven't had many much dealings with him, but I did. I was uh, before I moved out of the countryside. I lived in Shepherd's Bush, and I was in the Westfield with my wife, drinking a beer at a tapas bar, sort of in the open plan thing. And Michael Gove just walked past with his kids, and there was, you know, and this was he was in the government, mm, yeah, and there was just nobody protecting him or anything around him, and it was sort of around. I think it was just probably pre the Brexit vote. Maybe it was just post it. Jeez. But, you know, I had a bottle of beer. I just thought, God, if I could have just gone over and smashed them over there. <laughs> maybe there were, maybe there were, maybe there were men waiting with sniper rifles to take out anyone who attacked him. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things you sort of think, if I, 
if there's something I could have done, I know I would not, you know, and I'm joking about yeah, uh, physical harm yeah. or whatever, because it's not funny, uh, obviously, in reality, but it's... Um, what have you persuaded him into a life of comedy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, if only we could have done something. But, out, you know, I just think out of all the people that that could have done the job he's doing, those those people and those people that from that university, and they were the worst people at university, and it was, a, it was a weird thing for me. Going, you know, I was I didn't go to a public school, and then I went to a comprehensive school, and I got into Oxford, and it was a big deal. And I, all the time, I felt, you know, oh, I'm going to get discovered and found out and chucked out. Mm. And all the time, I was just doing comedy. I wanted to go there to do comedy, and then in the end, that's all I really did when I was there. Brilliant. But you know, I, I moved in very different circles, and I was very intimidated by the confidence of those guys mm. of those public schools, not just not them specifically, but those type of people. And um, and but then in the end, you realise, you know, I ended up, I didn't, I got, I ended up getting quite. A good degree and I think and I didn't really do any work and I right. think if I'd known I could have got that degree I would have worked hard right. and got that same degree I don't think I'd have gone up any you know, two, why one. would you have worked hard but I, but I, but, but, I just thought if I knew I could have done it I just thought oh it's a mistake they're going to get found out mm. and I'm not as clever as all these people and then I realised I was as clever as all these people <laughs> and yeah, they were just right. stupidly confident because <laughs> right, okay, yeah. they've been to public school because they've mm. been to Eton and this has all been brought bread into them and they're not the people we want you know, ruling the country and the fact that somehow Michael Gove has managed to convince anyone that he's a man of the people or that he cares about anything you know, or anyone who yeah. in Sunderland or you know yes. it's just it's insane he's a he's not a nice person no uh, and he's not a good politician he's not a good person uh, I would I'd sort of I guess I'd like him to be on the desert island with me because that would mean he wouldn't be here yeah oh so you'd if, take if, the if, hit. I, yeah. if I'm on a desert island anyway yeah <laughs> and then maybe I could cook and eat him yeah I mean he, he would be piggy if it was Lord of the Flies with me he would would, be. Would he? <laughs> yeah, he would, but, yeah. Uh, but um but yeah so I, I you know I don't it's very well, all these things thinking I, I'm not a, a, a particularly negative person a lot of no, these things where you're asking me to think of, I know you're not yeah thinking yeah. of uh, I mean it's fun to maybe be comedic about people hmm. but I don't really hate anyone you know I don't really hate many people but when I came down to it, I just thought out of everyone yes um, and barring just the really obvious candidates in politics yeah um, you know I, I was on this week with on the same week as Nigel Farage was on and I was in the same room as him mm. and at one point after midnight walking down a dark corridor behind him with just <laughs> the two of us there yeah again thinking this is sort of weird that you have this position mm. but you know like so if that you know say I'm not saying Nigel Farage is like Hitler no. but if you if you'd <laughs> been in a position where in 1932 you'd been walking down a corridor with Hitler you, you, uh, and and you'd clocked him over the head I mean no you'd just be in prison and no one would uh, care but yeah. you could have stopped all you of that history. <laughs> yeah. maybe and that so, was your moment yeah and so exactly so you sort yeah. of think at the end of my life am I going to look back and so, ah, that tapas bar, maybe I should have just left my wife and ch children without a father or father in prison Who's so that say? I could <laughs> change history. Would it change history? Would it? Would the world be better or worse without Michael Gove in it? I don't know. But mm. uh, it's just sort of weird the way that those... It's weird it feels that our lives have intersected without even crossing over, really. Yes. Uh, and so there's there's something about him did, that... Did you ever find yourself next to him having a conversation in a bar? Or no, any, I don't no. think... I don't think I've ever... I'm not sure I've ever spoken to him. I mean, maybe when we did Stab in the Dark, Maybe, but I don't know if we yeah. did. I, it was, it was. We were sort of kept so separate, and it, I'm glad because mm. it was, it was actually an enjoyable experience. Because Tracy was so lovely. Yes, um, yeah. but everyone else in that program, I mean, David was lovely as well. But all the production uh, team was such dicks. Yeah, <laughs> there was a guy. There was a, well, there was a guy called. Oh, no, I would say. Okay, I okay. His name. But there was a guy who was a producer who we used his surname. As a as a shorthand for not understanding a joke, basically for oh. about five or six years afterwards, because he just every we'd go, uh, we did a joke about uh, fifteen year old Stephen Hendry for some reason, and he went, oh, I think um, I think Stephen Hendry's actually twenty seven years old. <laughs> yeah, and we yeah, were making a joke about the fact that he looks like a teenager. <laughs> so it was, it was those sort of you know, it was that sort of complete misunderstanding yeah. of comedy. Okay, so yeah. we, that became a doing a whatever. Yeah, whatever name, my, I can't yeah. remember. I absolutely can remember. His, and he was a he wasn't an unpleasant person. Okay, but, yeah. Uh, so I won't say his name. But uh, mm. <laughs> uh, and that's just uh, there was a guy called uh, what was his name? There was a guy who became quite famous famous uh, novelist Fisher Tibor Fisher. Oh, right. Who was who was also a researcher on that show, 
Wow. Uh, so it was, it was, a, it's sort of an interesting. It was a very interesting do. It was amazing to kind of get into the TV world. But yeah, Michael Gove was mm. was a ghostly, weird, yeah. stinking. He was like a like a human fart. Yeah, uh, that has permeated <laughs> yeah. through my life. And then the part fart has got worse and worse. And now the fart has spread yeah. throughout the whole country. I looked at yeah. I was having a look earlier. There. <laughs> I think they sort of created a job to just keep him in politics yeah. a couple months ago which right. like they changed the role and made him that role yeah and well it's it, interesting yeah. because obviously like he's and even Cameron was talking about this but you know the way that him and Boris Johnson uh just betrayed the 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 themselves you know they mm. betrayed the country really they betrayed the conservative party then they betrayed each other or or gove betrayed johnson so I quite like the fact that johnson you know if out of anything just because gove is now Forced to kind of into this uh, underling position. Yeah, I don't. I'm not delighted that Boris Johnson is prime minister. I have no. to say, but the fact that Michael Gove has had to kind of, ta- you know, take that hit that he betrayed Boris Johnson, and now Boris Johnson sort of has to give him a job, yeah. but he's given him a job when the position went. Oh, now this could be pretty. You awkward. know, so yeah. it's you know he he sort of deserves that fate. But mm. then you know you know you just don't know with politics. I mean, I remember a year ago, so even less than that, maybe the, the papers were just saying. That's it, Boris Johnson's blown it. He'll never be prime minister now because of one of his many gaps. Uh, and so you know, this, and here this, he is. And here he is. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Michael Gove. Yeah. It's going to be a third choice. Yeah. Thank you very much, Richard. Now, mercifully, among the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they, and why are they so bad? Well, this was very difficult. I really like food. Mm, me and too. I, I really like everything. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of more or less like everything. Uh, and uh, we'll give everything a go. I was very, very fussy as a child. Oh, right. Uh, and then I became, and, and like right up until like being 18 or 19. And then I became a vegetarian for about 12 or 15 years, something like 12, 12 plus years. And uh, and then I was sort of forced to eat vegetables and stuff as a result of that, <laughs> that yeah. move. And so my palate increased a lot. And then I went back to eating everything when I was about 30. And, uh, and so now I just, you know, I eat everything. And if I'm eating meat, I sort of still feel like I should... And I'd, I'd still stay meat-free at, uh, for several meals, but it's, if I'm eating meat, I feel like I should appreciate the animal so, yeah. and, and its sacrifice and make yeah. the most of it. Okay. Uh, and so I enjoy, I enjoy eating everything. The thing, and the, 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 there's one thing that I hated as a child, and I have had it as an adult, and I don't think it's as bad as I thought it was, but I, and I'm not sure I ever I even ate it as a child. I just hated it from the appearance and the smell yeah. and maybe the feeling, the texture. I'm not even sure I ate it, but jarred beetroot mm. was the thing that I, I just had a massive, almost phobia of. Yeah. And I'm sure I have eaten it subsequently. And actually, non-jarred beetroot, you sometimes get beetroot like in fancy restaurants. They make some like dish yeah, out of beetroot yeah, yeah. and fresh beetroot. Mm. And yeah, that's nice. Yeah, sure. Um, and I'm not, and I love pickled things. I'm Me a too. massive yeah. fan of uh, pickled onions and all that sort of pickle but there's something about the texture, the colour, the smell of jarred beetroot mm. that I, I would, I could eat it. It's, I think, yeah. but I'm not, and I think I might like it. But, yeah. I, but I don't. It's, a, it's a bit vinegary, but <laughs> yeah. too sweet and yeah. mush, much more mushy than a beetroot. Yeah. I don't know, you know, but it was like it. it so there's that the resid, the residual nature of that phobia I had about it mm. that was based, I think, on colour and smell and and. Rather than t- maybe I ate it at some point. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, just but the- I, it's that still lingers. So there's and there's it's only things that like have made me sick. Mm. But I think that they have that similar thing. When I've never been sick on beetroot. Imagine if yeah. you had been. What a what a vomit that would be. No. Uh, that purple vomit coming up. Oh but, uh, no. Yeah. I think I was once sick after creme caramel. But again, I suppose it's like the uh, and I love caramel with that kind of gelatinous. Oh, I don't yeah. really like anything with that kind of. I can taste the texture now. Yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And I and I once was really badly sick after eating mackerel, and, I've, and it's it's been. But I don't think it was necessarily even the mackerel. It was just like a big chunk of. Macron. I like macaron. I like oily fish, but it took me, a, and I'm feeling a bit sick now. Yeah, thinking, thinking about it. But yeah. it, but it took me a while to even go back to being able to eat anything like that, just because even it was the last thing I ate before I was sick, and I'm pretty sure mm. it was something else that gave me food poisoning. But it's got to be bad but, if but, it's even just the thought of having yeah. jar beetroot is going to yeah. put you off. Yeah. But if you put a jar of beetroot and said eat some of that, that would be the one thing that I would struggle. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can eat, you know, and I'll, I'll take a, ch- I'll, I'll try and eat quite disgusting things to see how they go. <laughs> I mean, as a kid, it's weird. As a kid, I, used to, I was talking to my wife about this. I used to eat. Uh, 
Because we were talking about jelly. I used to eat jelly cubes, which I think, you know, undiluted, just, which I think a lot of kids did, just yeah, as a snack. Yeah. But I used to eat Oxo cubes. No. And I loved Oxo cubes. And I ate one recently on a radio show to see whether I would still How was it? like it. I mean, it's not nice. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's for, salty. For, for a fussy child, it was an incredibly, you know, intense thing to eat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a savoury sweet, I suppose. It's sort of like so salty and so beefy. Mm. But yeah, I used to, used to, yeah, I'm not. Can I? Can, you know, I can because it used to it used to be in like silver packs and maybe. Is it silver. things in tiny squares? Yeah, maybe like it, mainly it's like the space food element of it. But uh, I just I love eating stuff like that. So I, I, you know, I'll take on. I'll I, if I'm abroad, I'll always try and eat the the local thing. Mm. You know, certainly the, the meat of any animal that I've never eaten before, I will have a go at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just and to so, know. yeah, of all the pickled jarred things, jarred beetroot is pretty rank yeah yeah okay and what's gonna be a drink choice and, well it's not all of them but and again it's i find it very difficult to think of a drink i don't like there's some teas that i kind of find those kind of more chai teas i find quite difficult to get into but i'd, I'd give them a crack yeah uh, i gave up drinking this year so far i've not had a drink all year so oh, wow far. how's that going uh, good actually yeah. yeah and it wasn't like a deliberate choice uh well i was just trying to lose some weight and i thought i'll cut down and drink i was drinking every day at home, once the kids were in bed, and not a huge amount, but just like I was, it was every day. Yeah, that's where so I, I was. Yeah, I would yeah. hardly ever got hungover, but it was just a little bit debilitating. And I just thought, is this a healthy thing to do? And I was, I got quite fat, and I thought, well, and I was drinking a bit more beer because mm. I was drinking whiskey, which it doesn't really make me fat. So that's that's not such, a, and I kind of quite miss whiskey actually. Mm. I miss a whiskey at the end of the day, uh, but then I just thought that I'll give up for, to lose a bit of weight, and then um, I realised I hadn't drunk anything. It was the middle of January, and I didn't want. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll carry on not drinking, and then I thought I don't want to be look like I was just doing dry January. So I thought <laughs> yeah, I'll carry on for yeah. a bit, and then once it got a few, a, few, uh, a while in, and the good thing about it was. Um, I mean, yeah, I lost some weight, but I was doing other stuff as well. So I've lost a couple of stone this year. Yeah. So that's that says a lot. But I've stopped eating chocolate as well. Which oh, okay, my, that which does help, my, yeah. And I've done a bit more exercise. Mm. Uh, and um, uh, But the real difference is I no longer wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning full of uh, existential dread, yes. which I was doing quite a lot. And I didn't really put it down to the drink, I have to say. I just thought, oh, I've got this weird thing where I wake up in this sort of nameless panic. Right, yeah. That it takes three hours to leave my system. And then if I'm lucky, I can get back to sleep again. But then obviously the kids are just about to wake up. So it was debilitating my life. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Uh, And uh, I still wake up at three o'clock for a wee, usually. Mm. And and if I've eaten late, I still feel a bit weird. Mm -hmm. But I I don't and no longer have that. And I've spoken to a few people and and they have confirmed that that happens to them, and if they haven't drunk, it doesn't happen to them. Okay. So I think that's enough scientific evidence to suggest... Uh, you're convincing me here to, <laughs> to knock it on the head for a bit, yeah. So just not having that mm. is enough to make me think I'm not sure I want to go back. The last night, uh, well, over this weekend, on Saturday night, we had a big uh, comedy gig in our village, and everyone was p- really pissed. Yeah. Uh, and and then they bought like a bottle of champagne or something. I'm like, oh, it'd be quite nice to just have a little celebratory champagne. But that's one of the first times it's. Did you did you not? I didn't. I didn't. No. Did you not? No. Did it take a lot of willpower? It didn't. I just because I'm you know I've done it for like, I've got so close to the end of the year now that it mm. sort of feels like crazy to just have just a, give just it have up. A drink. Yeah, yeah. So, but I might not go. You know, I'm, I'm still thinking I'll definitely go to the end of the year. Mm. Oh, almost definitely. Uh, maybe next year I'll just drink all the time. Mm. As a, a <laughs> yeah. But I might just carry. Yeah. I might. I might just knock out there because I feel so much better. Mm. But so the drink to yeah. get long story yes. short yeah. uh, that I have not enjoyed this year that I thought might I might enjoy mm. uh, is not all but s- some many non-alcoholic beers. Yes. Uh, and I've had one that was actually quite good in Edinburgh that was that I actually thought is this actually a beer? It was that good. It was good, and I just wondered is there just a little bit of alcohol in what there or something? It? Uh, I can't remember. It was at a restaurant, and I just oh, okay. and, and it, but it was really frothy, and it, it maybe it was just the timing it was exactly right. Mm. But I've been I, my father-in-law doesn't drink, and he drinks um, the, the, the beer. So I bought him some, and then I, when we were on holiday, I sort of missed drinking a beer on holiday. So I thought I'll mm. drink I'll drink one of his non-alcoholic beers to see how, if that's the same. And it just I think there's just no point in drinking yeah. beer. You might as well have something. Yeah, tasty. Well, because also it's yeah. it's mainly for the calories, and I know our, our non-alcoholic beer is not as calorific as beer with alcohol because the alcohol is the calorific thing, but it's still a hundred calories or something. Yeah, and if I'm going to have hundred calories, I'll have something that's really nice. You might as well have a, <laughs> yeah, a bottle of Coca-Cola or something nice. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's just I think just for the disappointment of. 
it nearly being the thing that you that I liked. Mm. And you know, that's the thing with drinking. One beer can be often just the nicest thing. And the problem with beer is you have one and then you want another. Oh, of course. Yeah. And then you can two sort of all right, and you hit this nice level of oh, I'm feeling quite quite chilled. And then you have six more, and then you yeah. then you're bilious and <laughs> and then when sick. your kids wake yeah, up and, and you're just you're sweating, <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> so, know, yeah. Um, and you wake up in the middle of the night panicking. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it, it, I, I'm sort of glad in a way that non-alcoholic beer isn't that isn't the same. Mm. But but it's also a drink that I wouldn't you know if that if that came down that was all there was to drink oh on the desert just island. bottles of sadness just <laughs> <laughs> everywhere so you know I think like I suppose if you're at a barbecue and you, you want to, the, the annoying mm. thing about not drinking is you'll get into lots of conversations about not drinking, not drinking yeah and I, I'm not bothered unless I, you, you know, bring it up of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm joking yeah. but you know that's it but so like at a barbecue people will ask you about that so I guess mm. if you're holding a beer but you can just have tonic water and it looks like a gin and tonic yeah, exactly or, yeah. you know, or seed lip and tonic which isn't too but, you know, so that I don't mind and actually I've started drinking I've realised that if I get to the six, 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 seven o'clock and feel like, oh god, you know, I just need to relax. I'll just have a tonic water with some ice in it, and it's basically tricks your brain. Yeah, you basically think fine. you've had a gin and tonic. Yeah, it's fine. And again, sometimes you think I have had a gin. I, went, I got one in the pub and I drank it, and I thought oh, is that someone else put uh, gin in there. And <laughs> my wife said, oh no, no. They my, <laughs> <laughs> my wife is still very much drinking and knows the taste of alcohol. Yeah. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I, I, I think it's. Uh, they probably have that use, but then someone might go, "What? It's not alcoholic beer. What's wrong with you, mate?" Yeah. So it's um, your, yeah. your wife. Your wife couldn't give up drinking, right? She <laughs> does know. drunk women podcast. She does. Yeah, do yeah, yeah. And, and also is you know loves drinking. Yeah. So this, <laughs> okay. she, yeah. can, she can give up drinking yeah. regardless okay. uh, due to having a huge problem with alcohol. No, she's, uh, <laughs> no I think she's uh, you know she's it, it, you know so it's not it's not a big deal. She still drinks. And mm. She usually drinks at home. When I'm not drinking, so okay, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's fine. All right, a lot of willpower. Okay, alcohol-free beer. Yeah. Thank you very much, Richard. Now, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Well, um, my la- least favourite film, I mean, it's, mm. uh, it's, it's a film that I'm obsessed with, so yeah. it's sort of like um, and, uh, the... I've watched it a lot, and yep. uh, so it's sort of weird. I mean, there's a lot of films like this, and I do. I sort of enjoy bad films more than good films now because I don't think there are very many good films, and I don't have the patience for really good films. Mm. So I end up watching a lot of Adam Sandler films, which I talk a lot about in my podcast. Yeah, uh, many of those could have been the option. Yes, uh, but yeah. I think the kind of the original and best worst film for me was Sliding Doors. Mm. Which uh, I am sort of obsessed with because I, I'm I'm very interested in uh, that sort of alternate universe time travel style of entertainment. Yeah. But the fact that nearly everyone gets it very wrong. So Goodnight Sweetheart's another thing I talk about a lot. Just the the logistics of it and the the logic of it are really important to me. If you're going to do it, it's yes. impossible and it's not going to happen. Uh, no one's going to travel back through time. No one's going to divide into two times. Well, unless mm. there are alter- multiple universes, in which case they may. But sliding doors sort of just so misunderstands what alternate universes are about. And also, every film is sliding doors. They just don't show you the other option. You know, I mean, every film has a moment where someone has to make a choice and that leads to consequences. And and part of it leading to consequences is the fact that it could have led to other consequences. And, you you know, you subconsciously make that decision. Yeah. Every moment in your life is sliding doors. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Me choosing sliding doors as opposed to choosing Adam Sandler as a cobbler has completely <laughs> changed the entire universe, right? And that's the other thing in that a lot of these films, they, they think the world runs like a cartoon or like a, a mechanism that you're the center of and that nothing else will change but your life, if you change your life. So in sliding doors, everyone else's life should change as well, especially John Hannes because he's on the tube right, yes. for one version. So he shouldn't turn up at the bar at the same time as he does True. because his life has already changed because she's on the tube and she's, he's, interac- he's directly interacted with her. But even if you're not directly interacting with the person and that changes your life, mm. you've interacted with different people on their interaction. It just, oh, it's, it's a just, snowball effect. It, yeah. So every single second, there's an, an infinite number of things that could happen. Uh, and no way would, would five, ten minutes later... Uh, an hour later, an evening later, everything would be the same apart from your life, right? Nothing would be the same, certainly within your peripheral mm. and within a couple of days. When you think about someone like 9-11, it changed everybody's life in the world pretty much instantaneously. Maybe some people in a jungle somewhere, that the waves took a little while to get there, but it still changed their lives. Oh uh, but, you know, absolutely, that's a, that's a, if that hadn't happened, everyone's life would be completely different. Um, 
And that idea of going back and killing Hitler, if you went back and killed Hitler as a baby or Michael Gove as a baby, but if you did Hitler as a baby, then you would actually be uh, wiping out everyone who is alive today, basically, because... It would all be so... Well, everything would be different. There'd be different people alive. There'd be different sexual relationships. Different things would be happening. For you to exist, your parents have to have sex at the exact right moment and the the right sperm had to get through. The chances of that happening are tiny, right? So just even just from the ejaculation, even with the ejaculation. (laughs) I don't want to make you think of your dad ejaculating into your mum, but I'm going to do it. So, you know, like a millisecond of difference would make, I mean, you're not here, it's a different person. Yeah. So if all those people didn't die because of Hitler or just their lives weren't disrupted by Hitler, mm. then no one would be alive. So you would save loads of people's lives, but you would also make other people not Non-existent. Exist. So you're murdering loads of people as well at the same time. So you're worse than Hitler if you go and kill Hitler because you've killed all the people who are alive today. Whereas at least Hitler only killed a proportion of the people who were alive. Uh, the way you're explaining this right now, my heart rate has gone up and my hands are starting to sweat. So, but so alternate universes are really fascinating. So yeah. sliding doors is such a fucking lame mm. version of it. And the main problem with sliding doors, I mean, there's so many. I'll start with this one. It's not even the sliding doors that are the thing that changes. If you watch the film, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is running down some steps and in one reality, a girl, I think drops a doll and gets in her way, so she has to stop, and then she misses the train. Right, yeah. And in one, she doesn't drop the doll, and Gwyneth Paltrow goes past her and gets the train. So the yeah. film should be called Girl Dropping or Not Dropping <laughs> yeah. a Doll. That is, that is the thing that changed it. It's nothing to do... That's the mo. That's the moment. It's a girl dropping or not dropping a girl moment, isn't it? That's what we would say now if they'd, if they'd called that film correctly. <laughs> How many uh, times have you watched this? Film? A lot, a lot yeah. of times, uh, and uh, you know, and also just the fact that uh, John Hannah manages to pull Gwyneth Paltrow by quoting Monty Python is insane. Mm. So you know, that's yes. I've been a you know I've been that man who's sitting in a bar just quoting Monty Python. That is not a sexually attractive <laughs> thing. You do not pull Hollywood film <laughs> stars not how it works. by doing the Spanish Inquisition yeah. quite badly. They're not going to be saying, oh, you're going, why don't you do your own stuff, mate? Try and impress me with some of your own material. Yeah. Uh, what so, are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't make any sense. There's so, it's, it's sort of there's this idea that the world would sort of be the same regardless, which is also wrong. So, you know, you the, the way, you know, the world is so random. And so the if you give the idea that things are fated or that, you know, there's one person you're meant to be with and you'll find them regardless. Mm. It's not true. You know, no. your chance, you were the person you're with. You might fall in love with someone. I'm delighted I met my wife when I met my wife. But, you know, if I'd met her at a different time mm. or, uh, you know, would, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, you know, there's so many factors that mean it wouldn't have worked. Yes. So, right, um, yeah. and, you know, I could easily, equally uh, have met somebody else and have a completely <laughs> different family. So it's, you know, it's it, the that idea that, I mean, it's sort of weird because she dies. And the spoiler alert—I don't know—the film has already mm. been spoiled mm. by, uh, Joey by from Joey from Bread <laughs> yeah, uh, directing. By making but, it, yeah. uh, but uh, but she dies in one timeline. I think it's the timeline where she's with, with the guy, and it's the timeline where she hasn't figured out that a terrible boyfriend is cheating on her. Yes. Um, yeah. Or maybe I can't remember what it is, but but the, you know, she dies in one, and then in the other one, she sort of meets John Hannah in the hospital, and somehow him quoting something from the other reality permeates through and. Uh, you know, so, yeah. Oh my god. Um, okay. So, you know, it doesn't make any sense, and it's not romantic. And uh, yeah, it, it, there's something sort of cre- John Hannah is a quite creepy presence in it. I think mm. he's not a romantic lead for me. And no. You know, and, yeah. and it's that idea that it's that that fantasy, just the fantasy idea of a Monty Python quoting bloke mm. <laughs> getting off with Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, Chris Martin maybe. You know, they did get together. Maybe no. Chris yeah. Martin, maybe Chris Martin quoted a lot of Monty Python. <laughs> But you know, that was the secret. Yes. You know, well, yeah. Imagine. Please, Chris. Imagine, let us know. <laughs> imagine how many girls I'd have had at school if they were <laughs> quoting Monty Python. <laughs> yeah. They must have been just intimidated by how good I was at quoting yeah. Monty Python at school. Your problem <laughs> was you had bros at your school. <laughs> that That's was. a problem. Yeah. Okay, so sliding doors. Yeah, sliding doors. And uh, my worst song is the entire canon of one group, which I just consider to be one song. Yeah. Because uh, it's the same song over and over again, and they're kind of semi respected, and I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> who I hate. And was I, when we used to do the Six Music uh, show, I wasn't allowed to. They'd often played Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I wasn't allowed to say how bad I thought they were. But I think all their songs, <laughs> all their songs sound identical. Yeah, uh, literally identical. And they're all this, and they're, they're seen as sort of being this cool thing, and talk about 
California and what you know I can't I can't I just can't abide them no, no. no don't I can't even get into details about it about what I don't like about it because I won't listen to them um, but the, but just all their songs sound the same I don't see why they're respect you know it's like status quo all their songs sound the same mm. uh, and are quite bad songs mm. but quite catchy songs yes but no official you know no a music aficionado is going to go oh status quo yeah. a great band they're going to go they're not a very good band and I don't mind them being popular that's great people like them and I understand that I don't understand how Red Hot Chili Peppers have any degree no. of yeah. critical acclaim because yeah. they uh, just feels to me I wonder their if you, status quo if you just play all of their songs on top of each other it all merge because <laughs> it's exactly the same stuff. yeah or just but put it, them in a loop yeah. but um, it just feels you know and that happens a lot I mean it happened with Cotton Eye Joe the band Cotton Eye Joe yeah. they came up with uh, is that no, Rednecks no, Rednecks, Rednecks yeah. they came up they did Cotton Eye Joe and their next song was called Pig in a Poke which was exactly the same as Cotton Eye Joe except it was Pig in a Poke Pig in a Poke <laughs> really? more or less uh, and then that's it that. and then what well, if you go and listen to that and then people went oh well we don't want any more Rednecks that's the same it's they've with just X, done the same it's song with an X at the end, isn't but, it? but somehow uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers no one's going oh that's the same song mm. it's just that song every single time okay Red, anything by Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah I just would hate to have to listen to that yeah thank you very much and finally the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals which animal is it and why right I think the biggest dick of all the animals is Blondie mm. not the pop group the uh, Hitler's dog, yeah, Hitler's dog, Blondie, because he was Hitler's dog. He should have, he should have, he shouldn't have done that. He should have rebelled against Hitler. Yeah, but he's a dog. Well, he should have known. Dogs have a very good sense. I don't know. I don't know either, yeah. But whoever it, they should have had mm. a good sense of who their master was. Mm. That he wasn't a nice person, mm. and I should have bitten him. I mean, yeah, think what they could yeah. have done. They could have changed history. Actually, we'd all be wiped out if they if Blondie had done that. So thank you, Blondie, for allowing me to live by not killing yes. Hitler. Cheers. But but, but yeah. yeah, I just I don't I don't I can't really admire a dog that I hardly challenge on this podcast, but it's just a dog. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah what you've told yeah, me who's the biggest it's, like, it's just an animal. How can you be a dickish animal? Yes, you're true. just following it's instinct. True. Yes. But you can be a dickish animal if you're the animal of a of, of a, a bad person. Of a dick. Yeah. And then you don't, you don't I think Hitler was bad and I'm I'm gonna go down that line. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he ever gets picked to go on the island. <laughs> I think he's only ever been picked once. I think a lot of people respect and like him and increasingly his (laughs) reputation seems to be being restored. But I don't like him and I'm always going to stand by that. So any dog that that could willingly... Hang around with Hitler mm. uh, is and and not complain about it. Not even with a little irony. The dog should have pulled the trigger. <laughs> should have dragged him off a cliff. Yeah, could have nudged him. Could have nudged him yes. off, the, off an alp. Yeah, it could have. Uh, you know, his little retreat. He was at the eagle's nest, where it was called. So yeah. So I just think you know there aren't many animals. Again, it was. I was a struggle to think of an animal. I, didn't I know. Like. I put you in a position here. I and so that. I just thought yeah. of an evil, a, the evil an, an animal that had some evil in it. Imagine on, being on the island as well. That dog is going to be walking around like it owns the place, right? Yeah. It's going to think that it's the best fucking thing. Well, it's going to be pining for Hitler, isn't it? And where's Hitler, my master? Oh, no. Yeah. Awful. Chuck that dog in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Blondie, Hitler's dog is going to be an animal choice. Thank you very much, okay. Richard. Thank you so much for coming on the it's podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank now, you uh, I'm almost certain that the reason people are listening to this is because you're on here and they know you and listen to your podcast but you have some amazing guests on uh, the Richard Herring Leicester Square Theatre podcast mm-hmm. I was trying to think up a funny name earlier couldn't come up with one And uh, <laughs> but who have you got coming up what um, oh well I mean there's, there's, we're, we've sort of got quite a few recorded so coming up uh, the, the, we've got Jimmy Cricket coming up mm. which was really good fun Sarah Millican um, uh, Vic Reeves is coming up uh, ba- Barry from EastEnders Sean Williamson we did some really good ones last year and then the live ones we've got coming up uh, Nick Frost is doing the Richmond Theatre on the 29th of September uh, I th- I'm hoping we've got Charlie Brooker Tim Minchin Sarah Pascoe mm-hmm. for the new series in, in, in London but yeah we're sort of adding new people all the time uh, Jade Adams is coming in Bristol and Mark Olver in Bristol on uh, Sunday with that one it's sold out and let's not plug that one mm, uh, but okay. yeah but it's, uh, yeah, but it's but it's you know it's it's uh, in Leicester we're doing got uh, Jenny Claire and uh, Grace Petrie in, oh that's great in yeah. Leicester so it's, it's really great it's, it's, it's sort of slightly more difficult to book it when you're touring because you sort of have to find someone either who's prepared to travel or, in or who lives already, there already yeah. and is available on that date yeah. so but it, in a way that throws up some choices that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of getting but um, which is great I think yeah but yeah, uh, but, yeah it's going to be really interesting to do it and yeah and, and people 
really seem to want to do it. You know, it's kind of interesting when you get... But right from the start, really, I, I never... You know, I didn't know Stephen Fry. I just asked him if he'd do it, and he did it. Amazing. Uh, and, uh, you know, people are really nice and want to do it. And I think now, because it's gained a certain reputation, and because it's, you know, it's we're doing okay. Yeah. We're not right up there, but yeah. we're doing okay. Oh, you do. Uh, Come but, on. Uh, well, there's, the, there's some really big ones. I think, you know, you'd be crazy. Not No such thing as a fish, which I was oh, lucky yeah. enough to guest on uh, before uh, Edinburgh. Um that gets like a million downloads a week or something. That's it's insane. That's I mean, it's, it's yeah, like a yeah. lot of... Yeah. So you'd sort of be crazy not yeah. to do it, but I would want to do it because I would always sit at home going, oh, I wish oh, I was there because I would say yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, so good, yeah. <laughs> so it was really, that was a really lovely one to be... Uh, I won't tell you part. what downloads we get. You think this is a massive waste <laughs> of your time to be on this podcast. <laughs> but then no, no, that's what I like about podcasts. So like, you know, Stephen Fry didn't need to do my podcast. I don't need to do your shitty little podcast. <laughs> but it's nice. To, yeah, it's nice. Your little shitty plagiarised <laughs> podcast. But uh, it's nice. It's a nice thing to to do them, and if you like them, it's also nice to do. It. But you know, they're, they're a fun thing to do. They're easy to do, really, as well. And uh, and you yeah. know, I think and when I started doing podcasts, it was all about just the fun, the autonomy of doing oh, it. Oh, I love and it. getting out there. It's great. Yeah, and, you know, that was not even it wasn't even possible that you could make any money out yeah, of it or, or even get yeah. any listeners so it's yeah. it's just a great way of getting your stuff out there mm. and getting good at what you do and you'll get good at this don't worry keep trying <laughs> keep, try, keep trying you'll be okay you'll get good my at master it. the pod father himself <laughs> speaks um, so so yeah so you know it's it's great that we can you know I'm sometimes amazed about who will do it and then you'll try for someone else and you can't get them but you know that's all yeah, you yeah but you've had some amazing guests and if people want to find you on social media where can they find you um, Herring1967 on uh, Twitter mm. uh, I'm on Instagram but I don't really use it I think I'm called RK Herring1967 oh yeah or like that. I can't remember uh, Facebook RK Herring maybe mm. um, Twitter's <laughs> yeah. my Twitter's my way one I mean I think like people are, people are here because they listen <laughs> to you first so richardherring.com is my yeah. website rahelastopper.co.uk mm. um, yeah so the, all the kind of info and stuff is there but yeah Twitter's my mate although I don't you know Twitter's ah uh, just uh, it's, the the negative is starting to overwhelm the positive. Though I think I, I do, need, I think I do place. need it, but it's yeah. just uh, you know you got to hope you'll tweet about this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, uh, what I came up with is the really hot, hard, long, sexy tyrannosaur party. Okay, yeah. but the P's got to stand for podcast. So oh shit, that's yeah, one last mistake a lot of people make. Uh, though I might because it's uh, so the LST is the only bit that's changing. But I might change that just because it's difficult to think of things starting with LSD. So the more you have, then maybe uh, the easier it gets. I don't know. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you for having me. Thank you.